Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host Petri, and this show helps you to build your company. We are in this journey together sharing knowledge, experience and learning from each other. In this episode, I talk with Clanbeat founder Kadri Tuisk, how to build your startup together with your customers from the very beginning. Kadri's company has been getting a lot of tension lately due to the approach to COVID times. It has not always been a smooth ride. And she tells us how it feels when your co-founder leaves the company and you have some tough decisions to make. Hey, Kadri. Hey, Petri. So great to have you on the show. It is. I'm so excited for our talk. Where have you failed today? Today, let me see, let me count. My first failure today was uh, not having my breakfast because um, um, I really had to make a really quick change into my schedules because of the one family thing happening in the beginning of next week, which takes me super off hours. So I had to cramp all those things I have to do beginning of next week and try to do it all once today. And, and breakfast is something I had to sacrifice. And it doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, it's a big sacrifice. Is it still the most important meal of the day? <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I'm usually super religious about my mornings, so so it's very important to me. So what's the story behind the failure thing? Because I don't know, can anyone really love failure? But you have taken that into your heart. Yes, I think there comes this kind of... Uh, a feeling of being content with failures uh, over time. And I think right now, the people, more younger they are, they are getting more used to it because when we were in olden times, it was wrong to fail. But right now we have found out that uh, very many learnings come from failing. So I'm, I embrace it and I always try to find out what is this thing I can actually learn from it and how can I improve. So... I, I love if something is fucked up a little bit, a little bit sadistic, but this is the way it is. Did you learn that by hard way or was that always how you've been? Uh, by hard way, uh, because uh, when you're growing up in Soviet times, then you ha you're having this kind of social patterns where you have to fit and, and failure was not one of them. And... Um, and for example, overseas or even to America, where in startups, uh, fail fast is something uh, which is highly appreciated. And, uh, and uh, in, in this kind of region where I live, I come from Estonia, uh, here you didn't see that too much. It has been very refreshing to find it out that this is also the way how to look at things. So how was it in the Soviet times? You were not supposed to fail or everybody's failing or something between? It depends on people. People had like uh, very steady jobs and had uh, goals for the five years which they had to fulfill. And, and this was actually something which didn't make people to go out of their comfort zones uh, in that sense. Although being in Soviet times is a really big uncomfortable situation, but, uh, but it didn't uh, encourage people taking risks and uh, usually taking risks is something which failure is written into it. Otherwise, you don't learn or you don't find out uh, what works and not. 
So uh, being grown up in uh, Soviet times, I think this is something we had to learn when we got our freedom, how to embrace that and how to deal with that. But I'm happy to see that uh, that this is uh, come to our hearts and uh, and people are finding their peace with that finally. Do you remember when was the first time you you were thinking that maybe I will build a company of my own someday and really adventure the world? Yes, I, I don't have this kind of exact date, but I remember that I haven't been um, thinking that I do need to have my own company and I wasn't this kind of entrepreneurial um, type, but in the school in Soviet times, you were made to do a test, what the what are you becoming? And uh, for me, uh, the test show that you're going to be entrepreneur. Uh, but I don't know if that's, this defined this journey or not. But uh, I really uh, didn't think that making a company is something uh, which is something I should do. But I did it because I really wanted to make an impact to the world. And this seemed the easiest way to do it uh, uh, because I couldn't be able to fulfill my dreams and uh, and bring the impact I wanted in in my paid job back at the times when I made the decision so this seemed the way to go uh, for me that time you raised um, over one million round just a few months ago and and you you're now pretty much killing it with the, with your new concept and and these exceptional times can you tell a bit about what your company does and, and... yes sure Sure, sure. Uh, just a little specification. The round was raised uh, almost a year ago already, and we have almost uh, spent some of it already <laughs> but, and made a really big uh, uh, impact already. But uh, my company, I'm the founder of Glanbeat, and we are building a growth and well-being solution for schools. So basically, we are supporting uh, students and teachers for self-directed learning and how to set goals, how to act on them and how to also reflect so you wouldn't get stuck and you would be able to design your life in a way that is fulfilling to you. And uh, so in the longer run, schools would be able to offer personalized learning uh, based on all this data uh, which we are able to provide based on what people are good at, what are their strengths, their weaknesses, what is their internal motivation and how all the education is supposed to morph around the human needs. So this is what we are doing with our team. You mentioned me before we went online that uh, when the COVID hit, you basically couldn't sleep too much because there was so much to do. There was so much onboarding. Everybody wanted to get into the platform. Can you Can you describe the feeling and what was happening and where are you now? Yes, sure. Uh, one day before uh, Estonian schools went into lockdown, we were sitting in the round table in the Ministry of Education and uh, and we were discussing uh, what is it needed for Estonia to be successful in uh, this COVID period. And, um, and they mentioned that the teacher communication and, uh, and keeping the uh, teachers humanly connected in the time where we are apart uh, seemed very, very uh, important. And uh, one of our products, which we have in our offering, uh, is a teacher platform for their personal growth. And we had inside this uh, um, possibility for very smooth communication and sharing uh, insights and asking for help and having very human uh, 
insights also, not only work-related, and uh, really understand how people are feeling and reach out in the need. And um, on Friday, we had this roundtable in the ministry, and already on Saturday morning, we had uh, the offer out to schools to use it for free. And uh, we renamed the value proposition to Virtual Teachers' Lounge. And uh, and uh, the interest towards the product uh, in the first upcoming days was uh, something we have never seen. For example, if we got like five uh, interests to, during the week previously, then during the COVID period, it was 500. So it made us really redesign our onboarding processes and how to make it self-serve and self-explanatory super fast. And it boosted uh, many of our processes. And uh, I had to make those uh, explanatory walkthrough videos. (laughs) I was doing them in my bathroom. You know uh, yourself uh, doing those podcasts that... uh, if you have a bathroom which is echoing a lot, this is not the best idea. So pretty soon I moved into a closet <laughs> to do those. So it was pretty uh, fast and uh, uh, sleepless times for the past like first few weeks to really uh, being there for the schools and helping them to onboard and really understand how this could help them right now. So really... Um, this was very heavy growth period for Clambit in learnings, like how to learn very fast. I think we did like one year worth of learning in one month. Schools are opening again all around the world. What do you think of the situation? What's going to happen in the, the next few months? And also a bit more longer term question. What do you think of the future of educational learning? I think that uh, the period gave a really big boost to all of those innovations about to happen anyway in education field and uh, just speeding up the process. But I have been in contact with many school leaders around the world and uh, the situation is a little bit different because the lockdown rules are different in uh, each country. And uh, some of the countries, for example, our Australian partners are going into second term of lockdown and having to come out of that uh, uh, again, so this is really tiring for the school staff and for students also. So going in and out is some new normal which uh, needs to be taken into mind, which could happen in the past uh, year. Uh, but I think in a few years' time, the digital literacy and uh, and being able to um, get rid of some processes which are inefficient uh, these changes are happening right now. Although I see a lot of digital fatigue around schools, uh, nobody wants to stare at the screen anymore and looking for, for uh, ways of how to get away from them. But also I see a lot of efficiency happening uh, and trying to make the school system more efficient. Most of the changes won't happen in two to five years, but I think in 10 years' time we are able to see already pretty uh, drastic change in personalized learning which is effective and humane Uh, and I think this COVID period gave a really good push for this so for education I think uh, although right now it's hard but uh, I don't I haven't seen many good things in life which come out of uh, not not hardships but uh, being in your comfort zone so this is totally out of 
comfort zone and this brings heavy growth and i'm i'm excited to see what the future brings do you have a vision of the future you know how kids go into school in 10 years how 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 does it differ from today and and maybe from the times we were at school oh i do i do i do uh, for example right now our school system is from industrial age where parents needed to go to work in a factory from nine to five and you needed basically a childcare to take care of the kids so they wouldn't set the house on fire or and uh, they needed to uh, produce more workers into the factories but uh, but nowadays uh, all things are going to be done by robots which are mundane tasks and then we do not need this kind of education anymore and um my vision is that uh, education is highly personalized based on human needs. And uh, I really believe that someday there is a possibility to, for every person to have 100% individualized learning uh, based on their internal motivation, based on their strengths, weaknesses, and uh, basically uh, where they want to go in life. Uh, and I know that this is already in the strategies of OECD and also in many countries, uh, education strategies is to offer personalized learning, but there is still a big way to go towards that. Uh, but COVID also gave a really big push towards that uh, to make it happen. And then my vision is that uh, every human would be looked as individual, uh, not as some bulk of people. And there would be the way, way how to offer this kind of uh, education because this is much more efficient. I think right now in in the school system we are having today, this is highly inefficient. Uh, students are wasting their time for the tasks which are not uh, the best for them or for the level of uh, complexity which is uh, meant for them. So I think there is a lot to do in education and I'm really excited and inspired by the opportunity. Are there already some good benchmarks or leaders in this field? Can you give some example where, where this is already happening maybe and, and the others are following? Yes, there is actually the way how uh, change in education is uh, made. Right now we are seeing a lot of experimental schools trying different formats of how to provide education. We have democratic schools where students are choosing what they learn. We have project-based schools, for example, like uh, Elon Musk school, where you're having really determined goals based on what uh, you are having your learning designed upon. And... Uh, there are many different uh, alone triers who are trying to make the change, but uh, there is no systematic uh, worldwide approach to this. And I think uh, if everybody is trying it to do alone in their cor corner, then uh, I think this is uh, really hard to bring uh, the change uh, because uh, educational change takes time. You're starting to see the results, not today, tomorrow, but maybe after 15 years, because like you, you can't see how the students are like getting on with their lives before that. And, uh, and the goal is to have humans who are well-balanced and are able to bring positive change into their life. And this, this can be measured only once they have stepped into their life. And, uh, and this is something which could be done uh, more and more efficiently. I think it's the same 
with any big topic in the world? Is it uh, climate change or is it going to the moon? Uh, if, if you see that countries are putting their backs together, then, uh, then this is uh, something which uh, might give more power. But if you're looking uh, our last um, uh, success stories on how the uh, Musk put uh, the rocket uh, much more faster than any other country was able to do that, then I really believe that there is also a chance for those people who are trying to change the very big system um, in a smaller setting, but in very agile and iterative method. And uh, how I have approached it is in very collaborative co-creation method to do it really together with the people and for the people. So I, I'm not doing things uh, alone in my closet and thinking out how the education should look, but I'm really in really close contact with all the school leaders, teachers, and what's most important with the students uh, and uh, like designing this journey together with them. We are, we are out of ice cream because we are having so much kids coming to our office. <laughs> To think together with us, and even today we had uh, uh, we had an ideation brainstorming where we included students into the brainstorming to really create the solution for the future. Because we are old, although the, <laughs> no females should say it, but uh, we don't know how the world should look like uh, in thirty to forty years. And kids are having much more better knowledge on that. So I think the key in here is to work it out together with them who have to actually go through this. How do you develop the system? It is a software what you're building. So how do you involve the end users and what's the process there? Are you totally customer driven there or can you open a bit of you know, the, the process, how you work? We are having a very clear future vision, uh, how the future should look like, but the means how to get there, we are really collaborative with the schools. Our future idea is that it should be very humanized and uh, and personalized learning, but how to make it happen and what is best fitting their lives and how people want to learn today, where they are digital natives and uh, and uh, are used to instant gratification and uh, are really um, grown up in age where they are used to speaking up uh, about what they want and. Uh, and this is something which inspires us to collaborate a lot. And we have based, uh, we have built our company totally based on co-creation models. So every aspect of our process is uh, collaborational, starting from value proposition design to product design to UX testing and and etc. We are really excited to see how this turns out in the future. You said you built a company from the beginning with uh, these product design principles. Is it, is it something which you brought to the table and, and was you know very clear from the beginning? Came yes. About? yes, yes. Because my previous background is that I have been a service designer and design thinking is in my blood and in my core. And I'm really passionate about building up services from customer perspective, not from uh, my own perspective. Uh, although I do have a vision, but uh, 
how to solve real human problems, which are wider than myself. I try not to be egoistic here, but I try to really collaborate and and find the means uh, which are really solving people's problems. And I'm putting their problems also always the first position and then trying to think out how to solve them. So this has been our core from the day one we have been building solution for the schools. If I just open my eyes and realize that I've been doing it the wrong way all my life, and, and now now it's time to do it the right way, how should I start? What should I do? First, uh, reach out to some uh, people who do you think are your target group and speak with them and uh, start with qualitative interviews and uh, and really to understand what's going on in their lives and and really try to understand how does the day look like and what is their like uh, usual problems they are having and uh, and then you should go a little bit more specific which is uh, back to your service or the product you are offering but you have to see the wider ecosystem where do you fit in and if you don't do that you're going to be have a very, very narrow vision and build only a product but maybe not the solution for them so I think this is important to have those open-hearted questions and uh, conversations in the beginning and really build a relationship with your target market. So I think this is the first way how to start. Are there any good resources, any good books or anything where I should learn a bit more about the approach? Yes. Uh, maybe for the good starters, starters there is uh, this is service design thinking and there is this is service design doing these are really thick but very thorough and very explanatory materials which i recommend a lot and also there is uh, a good book called value proposition design which uh, gives a good beginning uh, how to design a value proposition which is aligned to the market needs uh, and this is where you should actually start uh, because uh, uh, this is a little bit slower than usually startups are used to build things because this takes a little bit effort and time to really understand what your customers want and build the value proposition based on that, not based on what you thought alone, what you should build. Uh, build. Uh, but it really pays off because you're building something which solves real, real problems. So this is something I recommend you to start with. I was just actually thinking that uh, the other day I was interviewing Pensi from Grow and Convert and he was studying marketing at school and they were watching a movie by Mel Gibson. Do you know <laughs> the name of the movie? This one movie by Mel Gibson. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, it's related to the service design. <laughs> uh, it's called What Women Want. Yes, yes, I've seen that. Fancy say that, you know, it was sort of life-changing for him because he was like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to build some, I want to build products, you know, which people want and, you know, customer research and all these things. So it's opened his eyes to the to, to this approach. It's a really good example because there are, there are different ways of uh, observation or getting those insights, what people want and doing a, Observation on your own is the lowest level you can do. The second one is to um, talk to people, but the, the third and the best way is actually to be together with them uh, in the same environment they are and really live the life they are living. So, for example, uh, when we went into uh, Accelerator in uh, San Francisco to 500 startups, uh, then I really took the time and I was 
physically sitting in uh, companies which were our target uh, um, clients. And I was really checking out the vibe, what is there, how people are communicating with each other, how much do they share the information with each other, um, and how they are actually building the relationships. And, uh, and this gave me a lot of insights. And uh, I'm really thankful for that effort because this really takes time to put yourself in there and do those observations. But uh, uh, you might find out things which are life-changing, as you said. How did you manage to do that? Did you have some kind of a covered you know, a job there? Or what was the backstory? You were just wandering in the office and, and talking to people or you, know, you were sort of pretending to do something else so they just you know, let you wander around the office and <laughs> no. ask questions. I, I was, uh, in some companies, I was presented as a new team member. And in some companies, I was presented as a friend uh, who is just using it as a co-working space. You can think of different creative ways how to infiltrate into the environments. Uh, uh, but uh, sometimes uh, it's also okay to say that you're observing uh, and you're not going to use the information against them. But this is something uh, you're trying to make a better good for the humanity. So this is also a way to approach it. Sounds to me that it's like as natural as, as you know, when you pull out your camera and start to shoot people and it's like, <laughs> like you know, act normal. <laughs> no, but it takes time a little bit to really, you know, to get chatting and, and soon enough they forget. Uh, and I, I, I also had uh, this really inspiring visit to one of the photo exhibitions in, uh, in Fotografiska in Tallinn. And uh, there was this one... Photo exhibition of uh, the photographer who is doing uh, uh, shoots in the natural habitats of uh, the native people all around the world, and these are really stunning pictures. And you cannot get them if you just jump in and out and you get them. But uh, you really need to live with them months, and soon they forget that uh, uh, there is somebody outsider, uh, and really. Uh, let themselves to be themselves and I think this is the most gratifying moment you are not unfamiliar to be in front of camera either you were no. modeling yes in my previous life you were pretty young when you started yes that's true how did you decide to go from uh, school to the Paris Milano and, and all these places and, and start professional career as a model it wasn't more kind of decision. It was uh, the decision to go into audition was my decision, but uh, I really couldn't imagine it taking off like that. I think I was 14 or 15 where the one of the best agencies in Paris came to Estonia and did an audition for the new models. And uh, I sneaked out from my house. I lived in the middle of Estonia in the small fisherman village and I sneaked out of my house and didn't tell my parents where I went and I hitchhiked to the city <laughs> where this took place because I, I was from the countryside and, and I didn't have any spare money to buy a bus ticket. So I, th I, I thought I'm going to give it a try. That was quite brave. If you didn't have any money, you were hitchhiking and you were really dedicated to get there. Yes, it seemed like a very good adventure. And, um, and uh, this was just a regular casting where you just have to walk around and uh, speak a little bit and they made they had a camera which really uh, measured the symmetrics of your face and uh, and uh, they made it kind of competition and and I won this competition 
And uh, as I was very young, then uh, the owner of the agency was there and said, like, uh, we need the consent from your parents. And how did you get here? I was like, I hitchhiked. And then they <laughs> felt this kind of really big responsibility that uh, they took a car and they drove with me from this city, which was maybe two or two and a half hours away from my home city. They drove to my parents' place and asked for consent if I could go to Paris. And uh, already after a few weeks, I was on a plane to go to Paris for the first time. And it was also my first plane ride ever. So uh, very exciting times. How did your parents react? You know, you just uh, come in <laughs> and it's like, um, this happened. <laughs> they, they have always been this calm and serene people and i imagine still how they are able to do that and and raising me up uh, must have not been really easy because i was a rebel sometimes but uh, they kind of said okay and they let me to go alone into paris where i have never traveled uh, out of this country more than helsinki which was which was like uh, two hours boat ride away so they were really brave but this is something which uh, characterizes them they gave me a lot of freedom to do my own choices and uh, and they were always saying that you can do whatever you put your mind to so i i felt confident and i didn't feel them being anxious and uh, this gave me a boost as well and it seemed totally normal thing to do because i wasn't even nervous or thinking that this is something extraordinary this was like yes this is happening let's do it and um, uh, and i'm still alive although my mother told me that uh, one wisdom she doesn't speak much but she said like the only thing that please keep in mind you can always say no i didn't i didn't understand then what she meant but uh, but now i understand that in every choice in life which you make, you can always say no if you don't want to do it. Um, uh, and it has helped me a lot. And I think it was really nice of them to support me like that. You have taken some of the lessons of doing a lot of castings and basically pitching and, and selling to also later in your career. And, and somewhere you mentioned that uh, it's, it's not much difference to knock on the doors of the VCs and investors and, and trying to convince them that uh, you have a really good value proposition and they should invest in your company. Yes. So the way modeling business works is that uh, you go from casting to casting and try to find a client uh, who finds a good fit uh, in how you look and how you uh, act. Usually you have to go through hundreds of castings to get the one really good job especially so in Paris and Milan or in very high competitive uh, markets. And I learned it in very early age uh, to deal with uh, um, rejection, uh, to really deal with uh, really understanding like why I'm being rejected or why am I succeeding in some times and really to make uh, this kind of self-reflection and, and build myself strong uh, and to have really strong core and understand my own value. And I think it's the same with uh, uh, communicating with investors that uh, you have to speak to many investors to really get those whom you are having a really good match. And uh, 
and I'm not afraid of that. I'm I'm pretty excited because I I, I truly believe that there is uh, a good match for every reasonable idea that and team to be executed. You just have to put in the work to find out who are those people, and uh, and this is something I took not not to be afraid of hard work and uh, and uh, really put time into finding the right people. Uh, who do you want to work with and uh, and really being strong in your core knowing what is your value and what do you have to offer and uh, and i think these are the two parallels i would love to bring out while you were modeling you were also coding at night how did that came about <laughs> yes when i was uh, i lived two years in hong kong uh, so i was hong kong resident and uh, and doing uh, modeling there and this was my base and i traveled out from there to do modeling jobs in beijing singapore Guangzhou, uh, and etc and uh, in uh, in there was this kind of thing called it market it was really huge building where you could buy basically any software which you want there were adobe photoshops for one dollar and except so you can imagine the uh, excitement where you go there you see that you could basically get anything and create anything what your mind comes up comes up to and um, this was just the beginning where uh, regular websites started to become popular and i saw that 13 and 14 year old boys are doing their own websites and i was like if they can do it, I can do it. And uh, I, sta- I started to be really fascinated by creating my own websites. And, uh, and uh, it gave me a lot of gratification and a sense of success because if you're able to make some changes in front end and if you're able to bring some kind of uh, interactions to happen, this gives this kind of really great feeling. Uh, and and this is something uh, which others can also benefit. So this gave me this kind of sense of uh, um, confidence that uh, that this is possible. And also this uh, Hong Kong IT market is uh, uh, once in a lifetime opportunity at that time. Did you become a web developer then by night? No, not by night. I, it took a lot of... Uh, reading and a lot of uh, research uh, and I wasn't doing backend I was using uh, I, u- I was using uh, programs which uh, did the backend work for me but I was doing front end and uh, putting things together so I wouldn't call so, myself a developer but uh, a small hacker have you been participating in hackathons with your skills Oh, I have, but not, uh, uh, but not with uh, hacking skills. Because uh, once I went into hackathons, then I was already idea owner. So I was pursuing my own ideas and uh, and trying to build a team around that. So I thought that uh, my uh, coding skills were that poor that some other people would be uh, better to execute them. But uh, I at least knew how this world uh, works and how to uh, build the code lines. You were among the top 10 out of 10,000 in one of the competitions. There was this kind of uh, idea competition by one of the really big uh, telecommunication companies, uh, which basically uh, allowed you to submit your app idea to become an app millionaire. Uh, And the one who... What is an app millionaire? This was just a marketing <laughs> phrase for them to use that uh, uh, to gain more attraction, basically. So this was a slogan. 
they used it uh, in a way that uh, if your idea wins, they are going to execute it. And I was, I was inspired by that because I had never built an app and it was my dream to build something you can hold in your hands and uh, see the interactions you're making with your thumb are actually changing something. So it was very fascinating to me. And um, I came up w- with an idea of uh, making making an app which uh, monitors your personal relationships with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, and uh, then you can make uh, decisions based on those uh, trackings. So you did a spyware? No, it was not spyware. It was tracking uh, tracking app uh, which really helps you to track uh, five categories of your relationship and uh, really track on how you're doing and show you this kind of helicopter view uh, of your relationship to make the better decisions based on that like where where do you feel happy and where you don't and really to ignite meaningful conversations based on that with your other half uh, if for example other half is not so willing to talk about some things then you can like show the data that you see on 24 days i don't feel that we have been having a very meaningful conversations or other categories which i'm not going to list all of them here but um uh, but I saw lately that uh, this app uh, is really successful in App Store. Uh, I, it was not the app that I made, but there was some other parallel genius who uh, made it uh, a few years later. Uh, so I still think it was a very good idea. So what happened to the app and the idea? You, you didn't pursue it further? or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the time when I was... Um, uh, having the idea, I was working in an advertising agency as an account manager and I had really exciting projects at hand uh, to lead and uh, they were consuming all of my time and energy. And uh, although I did make uh, the app prototype uh, happen, I didn't uh, go further with uh, developing it and releasing it to the market uh, because uh, it felt to me that uh, I still have some things to do in the advertising world, but uh, soon enough, uh, uh, it turned out that uh, I had reached my ceiling and uh, and uh, I quit that place. Can you tell something about the first uh, steps in your company, which is now the client beat? You know, how did you get started? And there's been a few pivots, and mm-hmm. there's also been a changing people and it hasn't been like a linear a to b process sure so the beginning was uh, very simple uh, in a way that i left the job at advertising agency and started freelancing as a service designer and i had one really inspirational client who was dealing with uh, talent management uh, and uh, they really wanted me to look into how talent moves in uh, mobile channels and what motivates them to wake up in the morning and uh, and etc and focusing mainly on smart creatives and uh, and together with them uh, i found out during research that uh, smart creatives those who are creating value with their mind most of them who quit are doing it because of lack of self-development and then i was thinking this just happened to me this is the story of my life. And uh, I put one and one together and uh, and uh, talked to one of the jury members, actually, from uh, this app competition. Um, and uh, he was building up an Estonian startup 
called Pipe Drive. And uh, he said that they are in a heavy growth uh, period right now and they are having uh, uh, onboarding a lot of young people who are millennials and those um, HR tools which are focusing on one-year performance uh, review format uh, is not suitable for uh, this uh, new demographics. And, uh, and we really wanted to bring out the solution which is suitable for those who need instant feedback and don't want the boss but more kind of coach or a partner in their development and uh, and he had a need and I had a solution because uh, I had done my research and soon enough I came up with the wireframes and then we started going uh, and started making baby steps and uh, and uh, getting our team together as well alongside with the market research who were your first clients? We had awesome uh, first clients. Uh, one of our first clients was Telia Web and Innovation Team. Uh, Telia is one of uh, Estonia's and Scandinavia's uh, telecommunication companies. Uh, we had Volvo, Ericsson. We had TransferWise. Uh, we had. Uh, uh, we started off uh, thinking that we are going to be build this product for startups and fast-moving companies. But soon enough, we found out that. Uh, Clients came from small and medium-sized businesses as well who were more mature and really wanted to uh, make their people happy. And that time, our value proposition was one-on-one tool for teams. So we were building one-on-one tool. And uh, and it offered uh, the service of building trust between employees and managers. And uh, and we started off by building the product for startups. But soon enough... Uh, built new functionalities uh, to also think of where the trust building starts from and we started also to build functionalities for onboarding but not only technical onboarding but human onboarding how do you bring a human to the new organization and how to create the sense of belonging so those were the topics which inspired us a lot back then and then something happened you were almost like left alone with the company yes because uh my co-founder at the time, uh, with whom I started the company, really loved the startup vibe and uh, he was really good at it. And then we made a shift to uh, build new features uh, for onboarding and then we realized that uh, our clients are not anymore startups. They are small and medium-sized businesses. And this is totally different target group than startups. And then you, there you have to talk to, with HR managers and... and uh, the talks are getting much more different. It's not so much anymore uh, making people thrive and uh, and inspired, but it's more kind of numbers and how fast can you onboard somebody and uh, and uh, how to bring the engagement up and etc. So the topics at hand were much more different. And my co-founder back then really honestly admitted that he is really inspired by the startup scene and he really wants to contribute in that area. So he left and, uh, and there I was, <laughs> having the clients, having the product and uh, needing to make a decision what to do next. Are there any lessons learned? How you were feeling? How did you make the decisions? I can imagine it's not easy to, to you know, mm-hmm. wake up and, and realize that you have to do something. You cannot just uh, hide under the, the blanket and, you know, go back to sleep and, you know, just, you know <laughs> hopefully the things will be okay, you know, you know next few days. This is, this is probably something which happens to, to other people as well. So, you know, do you have any advice, you know, what to do? Yes, there actually were, were a few days like that as well, as you described. But uh, 
for me, uh, very eye-opening was to think of this as an opportunity, not an obstacle, because I saw that there is an opportunity to do whatever I want in life. So this was this kind of white paper sheet day for me. And it's hiking again. <laughs> it's hiking again, again, yes, exactly. And then I started to brainstorm, like, uh, if I wouldn't be doing this, what would I do then? And I really went wild and open with it and started brainstorming it. And uh, What were the other options there? Can you reveal and remember you know, some of those? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I knew pretty closely that I, I wanted to be in a tech scene because this is something that, which fascinates me. Uh, and the other options uh, were also related to uh, making people happy, basically, <laughs> based on... Uh, either based on their health or, or based on their um, personal growth. Uh, and, uh, and then I realized that I already have that. Uh, the, the solution we are having is actually already doing that. And, and I thought that if I would start something new, then I would build something similar. Then why should I put in the effort to do something similar if I already have that? So, and then I started to really critically look into the engagement levels of, uh, of the product we had and really looking for this kind of excitement. Is there any kind of excitement somewhere I see? And, uh, and I found out that the schools, uh, I had taken some pro bono uh, schools who were using us uh, and I was really surprised by their engagement levels because they were much more higher than the uh, old school companies or startups who were using us. And uh, I went to talk to the school principals and uh, those things they were saying were very inspirational. They said they have no people to deal with people. They said that uh, they don't have time to deal with or to either gather everybody's uh, problems. So they don't see, they see the red flags only when shit hits a fan, basically. So it's uh, really hard for them to prevent some things happening and they are dealing with fires and aftermath constantly so and then i started to thinking that this is the place where are like real problems startups are really well cushioned uh, and doing pretty well in their people management uh, and engagement and development but the schools are actually needing the love like the most and, uh, and I was really inspired by the problem uh, and the opportunity. I understood that the solution which we are having right now might not solve all their problems they are having, but I saw the clear vision what I could solve and what I could not solve. And, and then I started working together with schools uh, really, really closely and uh, found out that not only school staff and teachers are having those problems, students as well. And many of those schools who started to use us asked us, can we use your solution with uh, students? And uh, then I understood that uh, we have to create a separate solution for for students as well, which would be like student-centric and, uh, and appropriate for the age levels, uh, which is actually carrying the same values of growth and well-being. And, uh, and I haven't regretted it since, but it all required this kind of looking into yourself and really understanding what do you want to do and what is your vision and um, I think uh, this like feeling of letting everything go if you could do anything and you know that you couldn't fail this kind of 
answers and questions uh, are really good uh, how to start thinking that if you couldn't fail what would you do and I started asking those questions and and it brought me some clarity it's amazing feeling when you basically going deep and and you're like okay yeah I don't really need to do anything you know there's nothing I absolutely have to do but there are things I can do and and you know I want to do and and then you when you when you dig deep and it's not like uh, you do it like reverse engineering but you really do the work and then you realize that whoopsie I'm actually already there I don't need to just turn 180 degrees or do something different I already have the resources and the means and I'm in a pretty nice place but the feeling is completely different yes. because you, you discovered again the passion and the joy of doing what you do. It's not like you have to do it again. Yes, but and this is really important of because the journey to ignite and start something is uh, is not easy. You have to go through a lot of hardships, and if you don't have very clear vision and uh, this strong internal motivation to do it, then you're doing things only because you have to. Then you're going to break sooner or later. Uh, but if you have things fought through in your head, then only sky is the limit. Was it easy to let go of the old model and uh, old way of working? Because you were also changing a lot of things. It's probably a bit different to sell to the corporates than sell to schools. The budget and processes are different as well. Ooh, yes. So it was like completely different product. It is completely different and uh, I still feel the most stupid person in a room uh, when I'm talking to clients and when I'm talking to my team because I totally rebuilt my team uh, for the education uh, focus to really have the competence in the team who would know how to solve those problems schools are having. I have educational specialists and I have school leaders and I have... uh, education psychology scientists in my team and and working together with them is really inspirational as i said i feel so stupid among them and this inspires me every day because uh, i think that if you feel the smartest then you're in the wrong place how did you find the right people was it easy did, did it take a lot of time to uh, probably you had some pressures to to do something when you need something it may not be that the right people are free or you you discover them at the same time Yes, uh, I think it all comes down to vision, what you're having. And and if you build up a vision that is uh, uh, aligning uh, uh, to those people as well, and they see the world at the same way you are, then uh, this is promising. But I, I wouldn't say that this was a key. Uh, some of the new team members I had known already uh, before uh, working in a startup and uh, and I'm really grateful for them because uh, without them, I think the clan beat wouldn't be there where it is today. Uh, there were three Norgoev and uh, Tina Bauklin who have been in educational scene for a very long time already. And, and I was helping them to build marketing campaigns in advertising agency. Uh, and uh, we had had connection before. So... We just started talking and uh, and seeing the similar connections, and I think this is where it started off. And but they were in the beginning uh, not jumping into my team, so it was more kind of 
me doing things alone and uh, consulting with them from while to while. And then, and once they started seeing the progress and uh, and seeing, okay, she's serious with this new education direction, then they started to invest more and more time until I, I made them an offer to become a partners in my company. What's your strategy of, of getting people involved? You're building something for the education and, and you know, markets which are probably not the most easiest to deal with and, and you know it's long processes and, and it's not exactly like a software for hipsters or something which is really trendy and, and you know easy that way and the tech world is, is gonna you know eat from your hand mm-hmm. your target market is different so so how do you how do you manage to do that and what's your success story there I think that the reason how the, the way how we are approaching building the product is already giving a lot of advantage for us to get the um, right partners uh, to be our first customers, meaning that we are building it in co-creation with the schools. And we are having many schools in our co-creation circle. And, uh, and as they have built it, uh, as they are building it for themselves, then this starts already a really nice circle of people who are going to be recommending and who are going to give pointers how to enter the markets because they have already invested so much into this co-creation process of their time. And in education field, we have discovered that uh, direct sales and marketing are not the ones uh, which work in uh, entering the markets. It's based on uh, networks, people recommending it to each other. It's based on good references. And you really have to build something which works and creates an impact. And and this is what we have taken our strategy, to build something so good they cannot ignore. And if you involve people from the very beginning when you're building the product, uh, you probably become very intertwined with the world as well. So you have a network effect there. And it's really hard for others to copy what you're doing. They can copy your features, but you know it's, it's more than that. What you are having has this been something you know you already have seen some benefits, and and do you think you can become uh, the next unicorn in Estonia? <laughs> this is our ambition, yes. Uh, although, if you're taking word of mouth and uh, the cadence of uh, education, then the processes are there much more slower than they are in, for example, fintech or any consumer product you can see. For example, the decisions uh, for getting new products into the schools are sometimes made yearly and they are having yearly budget uh, cycles and etc. So right now we are hacking the model of how to beat the yearly cycles of education and we have some really good ideas in there. But I also believe that... Uh, the change in there is uh, with a little bit different rhythm than we are used to be seeing in regular unicorns like Bolt or TransferWise, for example. But if your vision is everyone going to have their own self-development plan, I hear a Stripe account and 8 billion people, <laughs> human to human. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally possible, because... Uh, why should we look only to schools? Every human needs uh, support in their self-development and, and being self-directed learner. And uh, lifelong learning is uh, becoming more and more aware uh, in the world because, uh, as, as we spoke earlier, then 
uh, we don't need so much uh, workers who have to do manual labor and people need to reskill and upskill themselves uh, in every five years sometimes because the world is changing so fast and I think there is a really big need for how to build up your journey of growth very sustainably so you wouldn't be burned out on this process of constant change because like it's really important to find methods how to unstuckify yourself what have you learned in movie making <laughs> i have learned that uh, movie making uh, business can also be dis- disrupted if you're having a startup mindset to it uh, it can be really what, exciting what does that mean It means that uh, you don't have to make movies as they have always been done. Uh, you can make things faster with a smaller set of people, uh, with many iterations, uh, and not quietly in your closet and then come out with a big bang, but also to do this kind of constant uh, ping-ponging against the market and really designing your uh, end product in a way that it would be really there for the market so everybody would understand it once it is there so like iterative method of movie making i think is a really nice thing i have witnessed lately are there any good stories or maybe you can give some references you know what are those great new movies yes i would totally want to highlight one estonian movie about uh, startups and it's called chasing unicorns and this is made in a startupish way and uh, it has been Uh, really successful in a way that uh, those people who have uh, looked at it and have been in the startup scene or even not in the startup scene are are feeling and living those pains because they are they are so real and the reason behind it is that because they are real they are crowdsourced in a way that uh, the director really wanted to get the stories which are true to life but put them into the movie which is not documentary uh, but is really Uh, in a fun and uh, engaging way, speaking real stories which are really relatable to those who are doing startups and who have to uh, look at it from the side, maybe. I start to see a pattern here. You can basically apply this same model for whichever business or you know walk of life. You just talk to people and you ask them you know things, and then you just deliver the things to them, and they're like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. hey, this reflects and sounds exactly like my life. I will buy this thing." <laughs> yeah, why not? Totally good idea. And I think like design thinking is uh, something you can apply to almost anything, also to your personal relationships, to uh, city government, to country government, to global warming chains. Uh, there are different levels in where you can approach and uh, and use this. So I think this really fascinating and uh, and really useful. So what's your next huge challenge? Are you gonna? Well, I, I'll let you answer that one after Clanbeat. <laughs> after Clanbeat, I haven't actually thought so uh, long ahead because uh, uh, I do not believe in making five-year plans or ten-year plans. Uh, yeah, we are not in Soviet times anymore. Yes, <laughs> thank God for that. Yes, and and I, I really uh, want to create the impact with Clanbit right now and this is my biggest passion and uh, I really haven't thought what comes after uh, and is there any after this is still something I haven't uh, figured out yeah you have a mission for eight billion people it may take a bit of time but then you know it could be that Elon Musk is already you know shipping people to Mars so you know then then you have another mission 
yes, we need to get internet to Mars so they could also be self-directed learners and have their uh, personal development taken care of. What makes you happy? My family, uh, my health, uh, and uh, people who are not full of hate but love. How do you define success? Success is a feeling for me, um, and it is uh, something which uh, is different for every person. For some person, success is uh, being able to wake up in the morning and see. Uh, for for some people, it's success is uh, being a billion dollar company CEO. Uh, for me, success is uh, having a very good health and well balanced life, uh, and uh, and especially mental health. If mental health is causing you problems, then I think any other area in your life is not going to be succeeding. How do you keep up your mental health? Do you go running or do you go surfing or what do you do? <gasps> yes, very good guesses. I do both. Um, and besides that, uh, which all both uh, fall into being physically active categories, uh, I, I do like outdoor sports and I like extreme sports and I like to put myself into uh, uncomfortable situations so when I do get into uncomfortable situations by organically not by purpose then I don't feel so uncomfortable and uh, and besides physical exercise and uh, and mindfully putting myself into uncomfortable situations I also do journaling uh, I start my mornings with doing journaling and uh, this really centers me and gives me a really good focus and uh, gives also the possibility to get everything out of my monkey mind, which are uh, clustering and getting on my way of having a really good day. Uh, so this gives this kind of peace of mind. What is your favorite word? I would say agency, and I would love to give a small uh, explanation. Uh, it's not advertising agency or any other agency, it's human agency. And uh, I have discovered it lately and I find it utterly intriguing because uh, uh, in social science agencies defined as a capacity of individuals to act uh, independently and to make their own free choices. And, uh, and this is becoming more and more important in our day world. And uh, sometimes the ability to be uh, in your full agency is suppressed by religion or gender or uh, your customs or anything society uh, puts on you. But uh, I think agency comes from really strong self-management uh, skills. And this is something I feel very fascinating to think. And the word agency is pretty new to me. I, I found it out a few years ago that this kind of word exists. So I would love to preach to the world what it means. What is your least favorite word? <laughs> I, I think hate because I don't have any hate in me and uh, I don't resonate with that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, hate. What turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Hmm. People, but I think this is like the most common answer you could get. Uh, uh, so I would uh, switch. I think it. you're the first one. Audience may correct me. Send me tweet, a, a tweet, or you know, give me feedback if I'm wrong. 
but yeah people basically because uh, i'm inspired by people and uh, and uh, by their problems and how they overcome it and uh, and really getting into the core of their why and uh, and this is really really inspiring uh, and besides people i like open spaces like mountains and desert you have to mention a few people you know who who are you really inspired by give give us a few names Yes, I don't. Uh, actually, this is a really good question because I don't have role models uh, like whom I can say uh, names. Because for me, every person is uh, I can find something inspirational in every person, uh, and you don't have to be something extraordinary so I could learn from you. So, so I really love the diversity of people, and uh, and I do not have specific role models to whom I I inspire to. What turns you off? Hmm. Mundane tasks and uh, paperwork where I see that it gives zero value or impact. And uh, I really try to eliminate them from my life, uh, getting more and more successful with that, but not still not there. So uh, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? I say a lot, uh, damn it or oh shit. What sound or noise do you love? I think this might be a little bit weird, but I love when babies are crying. I've loved it since I was little, and uh, this is really like opportunistic. But because, like, if somebody's crying, then there's a possibility that you could make it better. <laughs> you could just hold them and or feed them, and they would stop crying. So this is kind of a voice of opportunity to make somebody's life better, maybe. What sound or noise? Do you hate? Hmm. Car, boat, or any vehicle noises that are fuel powered. I think that this is so unnecessary and so yesterday. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. I could try coaching, I think, or teaching. Uh, that would be nice, but uh, this is not too far from what I do already. But. Uh, If to totally looks to some other direction, then I totally love hospitality business and uh, making people feel good. And uh, and uh, I think I wouldn't be a very good waiter, but I would be a very good hotel owner or receptionist or somebody who really tries to be welcoming and uh, making people feel at home. So uh, having a small hotel or just a room to make people uh, good, I think it's it's a nice alternative. What profession would you not like to do? Tax controller or parking controller. I cannot imagine any school kid or young person having a dream of becoming a tax controller or parking controller. I, I even cannot imagine uh, how to find inspiration in that job. Like you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, it's a great day. I can find people or I can make somebody's life miserable. So... This is not something I would love to do. <laughs> If you could be a co-founder of any startup in any era, which one would you choose? I would choose biohacking or health. These the two topics are also uh, dear to my heart besides education and personal growth. Do you have uh, some company name or it's just a generic topic? It's a generic topic. Uh, I really uh, believe in uh, human potential that it's uh, right now we have not reached our limit. It could come from our mind, but it could come from our body as well. So 
Right now, I'm trying to deal with the mind part uh, to uh, unlock those limits and unlock people in their uh, potential. But also, uh, I think there is a lot to do in uh, in the physical way as well. Um, but I don't have any uh, companies whom do I envy yet uh, who are doing a really good job. Although I'm I'm a really avid user of uh, some comp- one company who is not doing biohacking or or any medicine work, but I'm uh, I'm drinking this mushroom co- coffee by Four Sigmatic, and I think this is a really good small start to something. But this is not the the full potential that could be used there by humans. So I think we can do better. Just wondering whether you're hacking again, uh, you know, at, at night time. <laughs> This time, biohacking. <laughs> biohacking, yeah. yeah. I'm not biohacking right now, but the last few weeks have been uh, really putting uh, a toll on my regular schedule and uh, and trying to find the ways how to be more effective and and, uh, and more impactful and really finding out how to not uh, spend much energy on those things that don't matter and those things that do matter. And, uh, and uh, yes. Any final words for the audience? Mm, I'm really um, keen to one saying, and uh, this is for doing things based on love, not fear. And uh, this is really dear to me because I have found it out only lately. And if uh, our audience uh, could also think about uh, this uh, uh, rather sooner than later, then this is a really good uh, mind exercise if you're thinking of those things which you're doing and 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 trying to scale those things on your days uh, are you doing those things because you're afraid that somebody is not going to think you're not good enough or thinking that you're going to get a fine or somebody's uh, going to get you fired for that then uh, i would also love to think that uh, if you're thinking of those things which you're de- doing because you think this is a good for somebody or for yourself or for the world and to see the difference in the emotions you're having with those tasks and and really trying to make uh, more things in your days which you're doing out of love, not of fear. And I think you're unlocking a lot of your potential and uh, and uh, energy in a way that, uh, that doing things from fear takes a lot of energy. And uh, you're always like... Uh, double guessing and uh, and thinking is it right or not and you're wasting so much energy but if you're doing things from love then you're going into this flow state and you're able to achieve much more so this is something I would love to uh, people to think about for a while thank you Kadri thank you I really enjoyed this talk thank you for listening you can find full episode notes and transcripts at talkswithpetri.com How would you like to engage with the guests and include yourself to the discussion? Would you like to have some Facebook group or some live ask me anything sessions with the guests or just talk with me? Let me know your thoughts. And if you like the show, please share the episode with two persons who you think would like the show. Till next time.